All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast brought to you by the Queen Tackle. Uh, great folks at Queen Tackle, I should say. It's been, it's been a minute since we've done an episode here, Andrew, but obviously I am your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andrew Full. What's I up, think buddy? I'm still uh, I think I'm still oh, jacked up from those small Pony boy. Today. Pony yeah. boy. What up, pony boy? <laughs> <laughs> those, those Lake Erie small jacked up still. Dude, for but, not uh, being out there for two and a half months yesterday was fun. It was. Two, yeah, you say two and a half months, dude, and it, it's been like eight for me. Yeah, I feel it's probably actually been closer to like a month and a half too, but it's been a while. So it, it was a long time. It was last November was the last time I was out there, and basically uh, since last November we left them chewing for the most part. <laughs> Yesterday was a lot of fun. Andrew and I went out on Lake Erie, where obviously he guides, and uh, it actually took us probably what maybe two hours to to get back on him. But once we found him, it was almost Dumb. every other drop, which was pretty yeah. fun. Uh, some big old summer smallies, and uh, we had one I caught that was 588, almost touch six. We had, what, almost 22 at the end of the day? Yeah, 21.7 is what we ended with, and I think we did more graphing than we did fishing, but when we fished, yeah. we caught them good. So yeah. it's like, oh, there's a pot of four. Let's drop on them real fast. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. We did some filming, so you guys uh, will have some Lake Erie episodes. Uh, we got a few people joining in right now. Yeah, we got Bateman joining on his way to work. Um, we did a couple episodes yesterday while we were out fishing. Uh, we got one, uh, a couple drop shot videos coming out. One where Andy kind of dives into dropping on smallmouth and how it seems like a simple concept, but actually when you learn how to do it, it can be kind of challenging. So he kind of did a whole step-by-step process of dropping on smallmouth, what you want to see on the graph uh, and kind of see what those fish are positioned and know that they're fish that are going to commit. Um, that those are catchable fish. And then obviously we just did a fun fishing video uh, where we have a couple uh, surprise guests, it's a couple spot poachers that join us on the uh, the video. We probably had like three people that were just total jerk offs yesterday. We had one guy that literally we saw half a mile away and just measled his way on over to like 20, 30 yards in front of us. Literally sat on the rock pile that yeah, we were like we, <laughs> we had to push off of it because he's getting too close. So we, we caught 20 pounds under his boat. And then uh, we had what one guy cut us off while graphing like 10 yards away you had to put it in reverse because we yeah. thought we we're gonna get hit <laughs> wasn't even paying attention and then, and then he flipped me off as he went by yeah <laughs> it, it was the weekends are interesting here in new york on uh, the great lake well yeah. really for any lakes but yeah but uh kind of in stride with some of the uh the video content coming out we have uh, a kayak tournament coming out uh video uh coming out tomorrow uh this will be an interesting uh, episode tonight, Andrew, because I cannot speak for the life of me. It has been a long day of work. Talking uh, too much? Yeah, literally meeting after meeting, but we're going to do our best. Hopefully, I don't sound like too much of a dummy. I know I sound like a dummy, but hopefully not too much like a dummy. Pony boy. But, uh, last but not least, before we get our guest down here, Mr. Daryl Gleason, who we're very excited about getting on the show tonight, um, I have a small little story, which is a, a shout out to Hobie Eyewear, because uh, last week, at the uh, Bassmaster Open on Oneida. Uh, was it last week? Yeah. Was last week, no, right? it was like, yeah, no, it was like two weeks a week ago. and a half ago. Yeah, week and a half ago or, or so. Time's all molding together. Um, we were, I was flying down the lake on day one, and uh, basically my hat was too loose, and I had it on backwards. And apparently somehow, I don't know how it happened, but like I had like one of the arms of the glasses must have been folded over my hat, 
but we were flying on the lake. My hat was a little too loose. So I went to take my hat off so that my hat didn't fly off my head. Well, essentially what happened, I took my hat off and my shades went flying behind the boat and we were already going 70. And I was like, well, there's, there's no purpose. And there's no purpose in even saying anything. Thankfully, it was an overcast day, so I didn't need him. And the Hobies do float, but with how fast we're going and, you know, what was behind us on multiple boats, it wasn't even worth even saying anything to the guy. I was just like, well, you know, it is what it is. It's my fault. But I called up the, the folks at Hobie Eyewear. I'm like, yeah, dude, we'll send you a new pair. So a uh, huge shout-out to the folks at Hobie Eyewear. Uh, just the customer service is off the charts. So we appreciate that. It means a lot to us when we work with them. Because when they have good, we have people coming to us telling us about their customer service. Uh, that's a good partnership to have. And uh, if you guys are looking to get 20% off, we do have a link down in the description. You guys can go get some some money off of your next shades. Um, we got a couple more people joining us tonight. Backlash Pro, always good to see you in the comments. Aaron says, y'all need me to boat. They only going to get... <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it sounds like fighting words to me. It sounds like some fighting <laughs> words. But I think, uh, last but not, you know, without further ado, I think we should get him on here. Absolutely. Daryl Gleason. How are we doing, sir? Hey, hey what's up, man. fellas? How are y'all doing, man? Excited to be on here with you guys. We appreciate you uh, joining us tonight for this awesome Monday we're having. So Yeah, I, I see in your comments there, uh, Aaron, um, Talking about they only get close once. He's actually he's a Toledo Bend boy, so I know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he means it. They would only get away with it one time. Next time they would uh, keep on going. <laughs> Fair enough. Have you witnessed it, or were you were you the one that only? Oh got no no no! <laughs> I hadn't been on the receiving end of it from him, but uh, uh, I know Aaron well enough to know he don't play that that stuff, you know. So, <laughs> um, well, well, and it's not just a New York thing. That's a worldwide thing, you know. People not getting all the etiquette stuff. So I completely understand that. I, I kind of see, you know, we posted on our social and a lot of people message us saying with similar stories and it's an <laughs> unfortunate thing to see, but, uh, yeah. you know, so obviously we're, we're, we're pretty glad to get you on the show tonight. One to pick your brain two so that we have somebody that can speak so I can shut up and people don't have to listen to me anymore because, uh, I suck tonight so far. But uh, one thing I wanted to pick your brain about, so on this on this topic of dealing with, you know, spot poachers or folks that don't have great etiquette, uh, you as someone who's been in the industry for a while, being a guide, being a professional angler, you know, how do you how do you deal with folks like that? Man, you know, like so, so like through my guide career and now in the tournaments, like I've I've actually been on both sides of that. I've been I've been accused of being a poacher. You know, like guy, a guy sees you fishing somewhere and, and because he caught one there eight years ago, he thinks you learned it because of him. And then I've been on the other end of it where like, you know, I have a school that I haven't seen a boat on in three, four months. And, uh, you know, like I catch a big school, like me and my wife won a tournament with a big stringer. And then next weekend, all of a sudden the guy's there and like, you know, so I've been on both ends of it. I, I would tell you what I've learned from that is uh, is generally most people that are doing that stuff probably don't know. I would say a small percentage are just buttholes. Okay. But a lot of them, they're just not educated. They don't understand they're being rude, you know? So, so generally like you guys on ear, you got enough spots to go to. I would, I've, I've kind of got to the point now where like I'm getting soft, I guess. I mean, I just, I might just move on, you know, most time they're not going to catch your fish anyways. So either move on or, or try, you know, like on the elite series or, you know, like last year I fished the, the pro circuit over on the MLF side, you know, with other anglers, you know, you kind of see them as your peer group. 
I generally, you know, I kind of take the uh, Terry Scroggins approach. Like, so are we fishing here today together or am I fishing here by myself tomorrow? That was something he's always said. And, and what he means by that is like, can we work this out? We both found the same fish. Let's kind of work together. And, and, and that stuff only happens at like, you know, the Tennessee River Lakes, places like that. That's where it's really popular, where you just got to share areas. So like, like last year, the pro circuit at uh, Chickamauga, you know, that's when the MLF boys joined us and all that. So 200 bo boats at Chickamauga, I think in like mid-May, early June. Dude, it was like a bloodbath out there. Like, you know, there's, there's like 12, 12 schools of fish and you got 200 guys. So like, but, but for the most part, everybody, you know, like, I think as long as most guys are respectful, you know, hey, can I, you mind if I fish here with you or how can I work it out with you? Like, I, I personally have got to the point now where it's just, it's just part of it, man. It is. We all, we all have the same electronics. We all want to catch fish. And, and like your boat number shouldn't determine your outcome of a tournament, right? I mean, that's kind of a toss up. So, you know, like I, I've dealt with it all, dude, but you just try to roll with it. And, and like I said, I've been on both ends of it. And uh, it's just something we all got to deal with. There's more people fishing now than ever. And there's there's not that many new lakes being built. So it's it's something we just got to all learn to deal with and and do a better job of. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this is something that Andrew and I have talked about numerous times on the show is it's okay to be around people as long yeah. as there's a good foundation of communication. Say good morning. Like, just yeah. say good morning yeah. and I'm cool. Yeah, you know, like simple hello. Kind of know when the guy pulls in, throws his trolling motor down, and he's within a cast of you or whatever, and never makes eye contact or, you know. And, and I dealt with a little of that this year. Like I had a few guys on the Elite Series. I don't know, maybe just testing the waters to see like how crazy I am. I don't know, but like just just not even acknowledge your existence. And I'm just sitting there like, like I wouldn't do that. I would at least pull in, hey bud, am I good here or whatever? And I did that. There's several anglers that would tell you I pulled in and would say, hey, like am I cool over here or like how can I go or you going that way, like, but you say it best, you just communicate. I don't know why grown men can't just, you know, kind of speak to each other and and not have to go through all the other crazy stuff. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, Andrew and I like to try to highlight. You know, if we have a situation like that on the water and we're yeah. filming, we yeah. love to put that in there because I've, education is the biggest thing in this industry. That's one thing to spread around is, you know, yeah. when you're on the water and be like, hey, man, do you care if I go down this bank that way or something? Right. Whatever the situation yeah. may be, it's good to highlight that because maybe, like you said, the majority of people probably just don't even know. And just yeah, that simple concept can change their perspective moving forward. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's like it's, you know, you don't want to have like confrontations every time you go on the water. We're doing this because we all love it. But like, especially around here in like East Texas, Louisiana area, like it's so, the high school fish and college fish and all that's so popular. So you have really young guys and sometimes their captains aren't super experienced in tournaments. So it's just easy just to communicate. Just, you know, hey, man, are you going down this bank? Uh, if they say, yeah, hey, do you mind if I go behind you? I want to fish over here. Or can I go 400 yards up? Like, you know, just just talk it out generally. And if my advice is the guys being belligerent or butthole or whatever, I would just try to move on if I could. Obviously, sometimes in terms of situation, you may have to stand your ground a little bit. But but it, like you said, it's all about communication, just like what we're doing here. Hopefully one person sees that and thinks, OK, so next time I want to fish an area, maybe I should just just politely ask the guy. And it, you may have a total different outcome, you know, so oh, yeah. it's a easy. Simple, stuff. Yeah. Simple hello or good morning goes a long yeah. way. Yeah, it goes a long way. <laughs> 
For sure. Well, well Daryl, I apologize because we're 12 minutes into the show right now, and I simply, for one, haven't got uh, given you the opportunity to, to one, introduce yourself to folks who may, for some reason, not know who you are, and also kind of give us a little story behind how the heck you even got started bass fishing in the first place. Uh, well, so I, I'm from Louisiana. I've, all, I've lived like an hour from Toledo Bend my whole life. Really didn't get to fish here a whole lot as a kid. We didn't have a boat or anything like that, but like my dad, my uncles, all my family, we would you know, we'd fish creeks for brim and ponds and stuff like that. And like my, I got my first taste with a bass whenever I was reeling in a little perch, a little brim and like a five pounder ate it. And of course I had like a Zepco 33, it strips it out. And I like wrapped it around my hand somehow, knew how to do it. I think I was maybe seven. I like run up the bank with it. You know, my dad, my, my dad joked that by the time I got the hook out of the fish, it had ticks on it for me running through the field, you know, like dragging it on the shore. So that's like, the bass bug hit me like at an early age. That's all I want to do is ride my bike. Like I remember being 13 years old and riding my bike three miles away on a Saturday, fish a pond all day. And my dad had to come pick me up in the dark because my mom was worried about me driving home, you know, like after dark. So that's really like how I got my start in fishing. I really didn't get to start fishing until Lita Bend and, and like getting into tournaments until I started dating my now wife. Her family has a place here on the lake. And uh, when we were in college, I think that was their way to like lure me in and make sure I married her was like every weekend we'd come up from college and come out here and hang out with him lake. And her dad really gave me an opportunity to like get me out in the boat, get me on the water. And he was just kind of getting into tournaments then like doing like the, the big bass tournaments and some of the BFLs and team tournaments. And so, you know, he kind of gave me my like little taste of the tournament thing, being on the lake and all that. And, and, and that's all I needed was a taste. So like got out of college, I fished two small tournaments as a co-angler, bought a boat the next week got my butt kicked for like two years and, and still get my butt kicked plenty. But like, I just love fishing tournaments, love learning more about, you know, about fishing in general. And, uh, and like now that I'm out on the elite series, getting to travel around, like I'm loving the challenge, not just trying to beat those guys, but trying to figure out a new lake, you know, like all these new scenarios. And, and this year we had a lot of scenarios that were pretty wild. So, um, you know, like love that, love living here on Toledo Bend. Uh, you know, when I'm not, on the trail, I guide here on Toledo Bend and Sam Rayburn. Sam Rayburn's an hour away. So uh, there's always a tournament to fish at one of these two lakes or guide trips to be had. So uh, just a junkie, man. Love it. Like I was telling you guys uh, earlier before we started, you know, I listen to all, all y'all's podcasts, all the other podcasts. As we're traveling around and even in my boat, it's just fishing all the time. You know, just just love it, dude. Heck yeah. Well, talk to us a little bit about your introduction uh, into tournament fishing in general? Like how, how did you get introduced to it? And then the timeline to obviously where you're at now? Yeah. So it was probably like, I was, I was in college 2000 to 2004. And so me and my father-in-law, um, fished some of the Sealy big bass tournaments here on Toledo Bend and Raven, real popular. That kind of got my taste. We fished a few team tournaments here and there, things like that. And then when I got out of college, I joined a, a local, local bass club, so I'm like kind of an old school guy. You know, I didn't get to come up the college route. The college stuff started just after I got out. So I fished a bass club. I think I fished that club for like five, six years, four or five years, maybe. Great group of guys, like really helped me a ton. Like um, Tommy Brooks, who is much older than me. Um, he's retired now, lives on the lake as well. Like really would like take, put me in the back of his boat. Let me be his co-angler. And I uh, learned a ton, a ton from him. But but all the guys in my club, you know, like we made the state championship a few years and were able to have some success and, and win that and stuff. So that's like kind of how I like learned and kind of built up my confidence. And so I would say about 06, 07, 
I started doing like the BFLs and like the uh, ABA weekend series, you know, like the individual trails. And uh, all along, like Toledo Bend and Rayburn, dude, you can do a team tournament every every Saturday, every Sunday. You can get in three of them if you want to each day. Like it's nuts here. So I I done all that stuff, dude, and uh, just kind of built up from there. I started doing the opens in 2010, and like with every other step in my career, like I would step out sooner than I probably should have. And what I mean by that is like I would go to the next level probably when I shouldn't have. It was, you know, it worked for me. Like I kind of learned through butt whoopings. Okay. Like I felt, I felt like putting yourself in situations where you're fishing with people who are better than you, it's going to make you better. And, and I, that's something I do see now that goes on. Like there's so many tournament trails that goes on. It almost like guys cherry pick which one they can be successful in instead of trying to just be successful in all of them, which is, is not easy. It's hard. And like, the dudes around here that fish locally will train you up in a heartbeat with the butt whoopings. Like, great anglers, dude. So, I started fishing uh, the Opens in 2010, like I said. And, uh, you know, of course, done the Toyota Series as well, off and on, Costa Series, whatever it's been called all those times. And um, I'm doing all that. And in about 2011 or 12, I started guiding full time. Like, I was a, a school teacher teaching junior high school and uh, actually took sabbatical. Went and worked on my master's in education and started my guide business part time and uh, went so well. I, I finished. I did finish my master's. I did do that, but I never went back teaching, dude. Like just roll the guide thing. Loved it. So uh, started doing that 11 or 12. You know, got some great breaks, had some things go my way. Caught, caught some of those back there. Key times, you know, and like it gave me the opportunity to get people in the boat with me. And uh, and so the guide business done really well for me. It was just a dream come true. And um Still doing that now when I'm home and I'm available. But I would say about 2018 for me, I had had several of my very close friends either make the Elite Series, make the, the pro circuit. You know, one of my friends won the All-American. Another friend won the Bass Nation Championship. So, and it was like kind of as like people around you start having that success. It kind of fuels you even more. Like I had been fishing the Opens. I felt like I was learning so much on the road that helped me back home. That even though I wasn't winning money out there, I was becoming a better angler. So that's all that was to me. But about 2018, I kind of flipped a switch and really wanted to, uh, you know, get qualified for one of the tours. And I had built up a little bit of sponsorship base and, and, and worked with some great people. And uh, so I started pushing harder then to do that. And, uh, you know, 2019, I won a Bass Open here on Toledo then, qualified me for the Classic for 2020. Um, the same year, I also qualified for the Pro Circuit. So last year I done the pro circuit while doing the opens during COVID. And, um, you know, we were able to uh, qualify for the elite series. So this year was my first year out there. So, you know, I feel like my story, you know, I don't know, like you guys are probably a little younger than me, but it's a little bit more of an old school story. Like a lot of the anglers, man, like we're a little later in life. Like I'm, I'm 39 now and I'm a rookie on the elite series, you know, and I'm fishing against guys who are so far ahead of me for their age, it's, it's frightening. But, but I'm like the old, I feel like the old school guy, like I kind of had a little bit of a career, even though it was a guide career, I didn't just jump, you know, into college fishing and straight out. So, so it's odd. I'm a rookie, but I, I've been around a while. It's a, it's a weird dynamic, you know? Yeah. If you think about like a rookie class getting drafted to the NFL or the NHL or something like that, and it's like either 18 to maybe 23 years old in most cases, and yeah. fishing is that weird sport where you can have KJ, who's 
I don't even know if he might be 21, maybe. Maybe. Well, he, he better be 21. I'll just say that. <laughs> and then, you, Andrew, you're muted. And then you have yourself, who's 39. It's, it's just a wide range. You don't you don't see that kind of spectrum. for. for yeah. No, no, that's what makes our sport unique. It's a lifetime sport. Like, like as long as the good Lord lets you breathe and walk, like, you can bass fish. And that's so – it's one of the cool things about our sport. But it's kind of cool you mentioned KJ because last year it come down for me. Um, I, I finished fifth. They're taking four out of, the, out of each division. And then, you know, y'all know how this works. Four out of the double division. And I finished one spot out in my division. So I was relying on a couple guys to hopefully double qualify through the doubles so I could get in. And it literally all come down to KJ Queen on the last day. If he were to win, uh, this was at Lay Lake, I believe. I was actually driving back from, I think, Cumberland from the Toyota Championship. This is like in December because last year was spread out so much because of COVID. But I, I'm in the vehicle driving home watching Bass live, you know, of course, with the Open going on because I had already talked to Ronnie Moore and we knew if KJ Queen won, I was out. Any other scenario, I was in. So day three, I'm glued, man, watching as I'm driving or whatever. And, and my wife's pulling the RV behind me. And uh, real, real cool thing at the time, I, had, I don't think I'd even met KJ personally. And uh, just everyone, everyone, I think, around the Bass Opens knew how bad I wanted it, you know, and I was right there. And uh, when he weighed in, you know, like, I don't think he did his Bass track that day. That was kind of torturous. That was like a devilish move. I, I don't <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so, I'm going to shun Daryl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like, it was painful. Put him on the edge. He felt like when he weighed in, he said, he said something. I don't want to like misquote him. It was something like, you know, Daryl can rest easy or congrats, Daryl. He said something like that. And that was like my moment where like, oh my God, I'm in the elite series. And so like me and my wife were able to pull over, um, you know, at a truck stop about that time and, you know, kind of had a moment or whatever. So it was kind of cool. But like you said, I don't, it, I would like to know if he is 21. He may only be 22, but dude, heck of a fisherman. Like the whole rookie class, like, you know, they all kicked my tail this year, so I got to step my game up next year. Yeah, so I want to talk about that. Obviously, break down the rookie year for you. I, it would be cool to kind of hear you talk about one your, your mindset going into your rookie season before St. John's River, yeah. and then your mindset leaving the St. Lawrence River. You know, if there was a difference in your mindset and kind of yeah. how you walked away versus how you started. Yeah, so last year was like the best. Uh, you know, COVID was going on, and, and like. You know, that's crazy for, for for me. My wife is very high risk for COVID. And I know COVID's like a dicey subject for everybody, but I'm part of the 1% who has someone that lives with me that I love who is, it would be bad if, if that happened to us. Okay. It's very serious for us. So right that's where the RV thing came in for us. We were able to travel a little more safely, you know, the two of us. And so, um, you know, last year was just a crazy year. And it was my rookie year on the pro circuit. And along with doing that, I did the opens and and the way the, the year transpired, I really didn't think I'd have a chance and it just all happened. It was very odd. Uh, it was like I felt so accomplished by making it, man, because I fished the opens for 10 years. And and you've been around the opens a little bit, Bailey. You've seen like dudes are legit. Like to me, that's the toughest trail out there. So but I didn't have a whole lot of time to to, to get my mind, you know, like where I needed it because like the season started so quick. Like I was in January, I was a uh, late December, actually went to St. John's, never been there, went down, made a pre-trip. And that ended up being, I think the only lake I got the pre-practice for. So wow. no coincidence. I'd done, 
you know, pretty decent in that. I'm a practice guy. I like to have some practice. So, and uh, the way Bass had our schedule this year is very, uh, very jam-packed, you know, event after event. Really couldn't go pre-practice just the way the schedule worked out because you would almost, like, when you wanted to be there, you'd be at another event. So, um, just one of those things, man. Like, it seemed like if you got it going, like, you really wrote it. And, uh, and I just started slow. I just couldn't get – after the first event, did okay, got a check, um, finished top 40, which with these guys, you take that, you know. And then I just had two bombs in a row, man. Just two events at uh, Loudon Teleco where Gussie won. And um, and then at Pickwick, you know, Pickwick, we had the big flood and all those things. And they threw me some curveballs, and I just did not adjust, didn't get it figured out. Like, like no excuse on earth. Got my butt kicked. And then the rest of the season, I kind of, you know, fished okay. Had had some misses. I think everybody has some misses. Um, the biggest thing that that I learned – to me, is you got to give yourself more opportunities. You got to give yourself enough opportunities to afford some misses because, you know, like there's four fish swimming out there in, in various lakes that have kept me up a lot this year that really cost me not just money, but making Saturdays, you know, big opportunities. So, but it was fun, um, you know, going up north. I'd never been to Champlain or St. Lawrence, but for a southern guy, both of those are like bucket list places, dude. Like just, you see all these tournaments there every year and you just dream of going there. And, and both of them were, were good lakes, did not disappoint. Uh, St. Lawrence River finished up really strong. And uh, and probably I, I didn't have my worst practice of the year at St. Lawrence, but I didn't have a good practice there. But there was something about my mindset at St. Lawrence River that reminded me of my mindset last year. And so I knew that you might ask me some of this. So I did. I kind of reflected on some of this today. Um, last year, like in the Opens, and in the pro circuit, I was very at peace with my decisions. And, and what I mean by that is I wasn't, after a tournament, letting the results, like, dictate how I felt about my on-the-water choices. Dude, you, you fish your butt off, you practice hard, game day, under all the stress and pressure and all that, you got to make the best decision, go with your gut. And it's like such a cliche in our sport. But last year, I was able to do that. This year, I thought I was doing that. I didn't do it until St. Lawrence River. We're like, you know, day one, I stopped on my best spot, got no bites. And I said, well, I got an area 20 miles away where I got some bites. Let's go check it out. Ends up being a great spot. You know, like caught some really big ones there. You know, other times of the year, I probably would have stopped 10 times before I got there. You know, if that makes sense. But I was just – I just finally had that mentality. I was at peace with what I was doing. I just – Stuck to my deal, and and I think all the good anglers would tell you that it doesn't come down to to nobody is outworking anybody at this level. Like everyone is daylight to dark, putting it all in. Even the guys that get off early, they're prepping tackle, they're studying, they're like work is being done. It just comes down to on game day, you know, like making those decisions to get you around the fish, dude. That's really what it comes down to, and so. You know, like I didn't – I wasn't in the running for the Classic or for Rookie of the Year or anything like that. So, at last event, I was able to just finally put all that away and just go fishing and, like, make good decisions. And so, I'm hoping I can carry that mentality over next year. But, like, so much of the tournament game, dude, it's it's uh, it's between our between our years. It's, uh, it's so mental. And uh, if you're not making those good mental choices, um, and especially at the level I'm fishing now, it is a razor thin margin, dude, between success and failure. So even some of the guys that done well this year, they would tell me like, dude, I caught seven a day, you know, and I'm like, well, crap, I caught 20. 
you know, it's just razor thin margin and, and you got to do all you can to come out on the right side. So it was a good learning experience for me. A lot of it was just a reminder, like, just, just do your thing, dude. And like, it's going to, it's going to pan out how it should. Just, I feel like if I keep trusting my gut and doing the work, it'll all work out. Yeah. I mean, that mentality is so crucial, especially when, you know, you're at the level that you're at to, to keep that mentality. Cause once you lose it, I mean, that's a, a difference between keeping your job and not keeping your job. And you hear so many times about, you know, fish just not being there and it's so easy for them to just not be there. The right, you know, those right. one to three bites that you don't get might just not show up, might not even have the opportunity to get those bites where you hear guys that put in the work, did the same things that the winners did, except they just had the bites show up where the guy that, you know, finished out of the top 10 cut just was doing the same thing, same area, maybe. I just didn't have the bite show. It's a mentality like several, hard to keep. So. Several events this year that I like went on to bomb, you know, like at Pickwick, I started uh, day one. I started right, right with Bill Owen. He was going down the bank flipping. I was out a little deeper throwing a chatterbait. I watched him catch two flipping. And, uh, you know, I went and flipped for a while, you know, like I'm not a dummy. I saw a guy catch two flipping. The water's up six foot and it's rushing everywhere. Everyone's scrambling. And uh, I went flipping all day and never caught a bass that day, zero. And that was uh, that was tough, man. But you know, I I, I would hope most people that uh, are watching this, they've had those days and they they know how low that can feel. And so uh, it's all part of it, man. I, I bounced back the next day, I had a good day, and you know, that's I'm kind of always the guy. I feel like I've always been the guy that just ain't gonna quit. Like I'm not going to stop, even though fishing has tried to uh, dish me some results at times where I should stop, like. Like you can't because then you don't give yourself the opportunities for those amazing highs. And, uh, and that's what it's all about for us all, man. So uh, absolutely, we're just getting started. It was a, uh, it was a good season. You know, I, I've had a little time to reflect back on it since I've got home and um, you know, me and my wife are, you know, we're living a lot of people's dream, dude. So you got to keep it in perspective and uh, the results will get better. I know they will. Absolutely. Now I was going to say, um, well, first of all, fishing tournaments is one of the most humbling sports in the world, if not the most humbling. But this, my second point here, when it comes to decision-making, in my opinion, the two most important decisions of the day are where you start and how you adjust to your starting spot. Because if you go to your starting spot and it sucks, you it's, you can do two things from there. You can go to your plan B and catch them and trust your gut, or C, you spin, and you end up doing a zero. And yeah. you have to know when to be free enough to be able to follow your gut to in order to put together a good day and i think that's where a lot of fishermen struggle is being able to trust their gut because they have so many spots they just start, start bing bonging all over the place so yeah and that's i think we developed that again cliche time on the water dude yeah i fished so many club tournaments evening tournaments you know little things on the weekends, little jackpot teams, like whatever, like as many of those things you can do, they help prepare you the best they can. But, you know, like I said, at this level, dude, it's a thin margin. Like, like everything you find is probably going to get found by another one of these great anglers. It's very, very special. St. Lawrence, I actually did get to fish by myself on a spot that no one else ever fished. But people probably fished it and it probably sucked for them. And I was able to get a couple of those bites that keep me in, you know, so but other, other than that, like, you know, a lot of times we find the same stuff. And so you got to just learning how to juggle all that with with all the pressure. dude. There's so much pressure, especially me being an older guy. Like, 
my window is not the same as some of those guys that are in their twenties. You, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I, I think in ways this year, I, I, I let some of that just get to me a little bit and I, I got my, my focus off of what it should be on. And that's just each day, like doing your thing, letting it happen. And, and it, it's going to happen. Like it will. It, I know it will. Yeah. Like Absolutely. many say, if it's meant to be, it will be. You can't, yeah. You can't force anything. Right. We had a quick question here from one of our viewers, Charles Blood, who asked, Daryl, has the elite always been the goal, or what was the deciding factor in what circuit you chased? Mm. The, the, elite, the elites was always the goal. Um, so when I started fishing the pro circuit in, nine, in 20, that was about the time MLF had done the buy and all that stuff. So um, the elites is always like, that's the, that's the big ticket to me. It just is. I know everyone has differing opinions on that, but that's just always been the carrot that I wanted. But the main thing I wanted was just the opportunity to, you know, represent my sponsors and fish at the pro level. So when I qualify for the pro circuit, done it, can't say enough good things about uh, all the anglers and like the staff, everybody over there is wonderful. And, uh, and I just had to make the choice when I, when I qualified for the elites and, and like, I had no time to make that choice, you know, like my qualification come in December and uh, I mean, like deposits had already been due for the pro circuit for the following year. So I really had like a couple days and just, you know, financially and I wasn't ready to uh, get on that John Cox bandwagon and just fish every stinking pro circuit there was financially or the <laughs> travel of it all. And, uh, and I just felt like, you know, that was the, the, the path for me. But I think, every, you know, everyone's path can be a little different. You know, one of my buddies, young guy here on Toledo Bend, just had a great rookie season over on the pro circuit and he's loving it. So, you know, it's just I think for a, for a, whether it's a young guy, old guy, whatever your dream may be, when you get your opportunity to fish at the top level at, at any of the organizations, you better take it, take it and go with it and see what you can do with it. So, um, you know, no, no shade thrown toward the pro circuit at all, dude. Like there's some bad dudes over there good fishermen and uh and love the people over there but but bass is just where i wanted to be for me personally and for my sponsor group it's just kind of how it worked out where i wanted to be at yeah thank you well dude kind of getting back to your rookie year and kind of how you uh, in terms of how you left things after st lawrence river yeah i know you mentioned you know that finding that mentality that you really meshed well with uh on that last event but, you know, beyond that, was there anything that really kind of stood out to you maybe about yourself or something that maybe, you know, you learned about yourself going into next year that you think is going to be more valuable? Yeah. Um, so, like I said earlier, like I'm a practice guy. Like I need to go to as many many of these places I can. Because even though I have been around a little while, I haven't necessarily went and fished all these lakes 8, 10, 15 hours away from me, right? And uh, a lot of the guys I'm competing against, are, they have been there. And they are, they are much better at breaking them down quickly. So I felt all year this year, like I find some good stuff. By the end of day three of practice, I find some good stuff. But I felt like everyone else knew most of that by day one. And it's just based on their experience and their history and all those things. Even just the, the comfort level of the speed of the week, like, like a three-day practice, no off limits, get your stuff ready and go. Um, that was a little learning curve for me. So – I think that's the biggest thing I learned this this year was just how I need to plan better. And I think some of that I'm going to have to do some pre-trips and I'm going to have to plan my practice a little better so I get off to a better start and practice quicker. You know, it's taken me a little while to like kind of get something going. 
And so by the time you get something going, either conditions change, like at Pickwick, I had a little something going, you know, we get like crazy rain, tornadoes, all that crazy stuff. And it comes up and uh, it was so different. So, you know, I just, I just have to find them faster in practice. That's really every event. I felt like, like, like that was the thing holding me back. It would be, you know, the last, I think at Fort Loudon, I got my only keeper bite of practice. I had two keeper bites the last hour, the last day of practice. And Fort Loudon was, was pretty tough for a lot of guys, but it was just a grinder tournament, man. It's a grinder place. And, uh, it, it shouldn't take you three days to get your first keeper bite and like get your first clue. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, you didn't have much to go on there. So I'd say it's probably the biggest thing I learned really is just the speed of the week. Like how quick it all goes, man. Like, like I really wanted to enjoy this year and, and we did have fun, but like, I don't remember any of it, dude. It's a blur. Like <laughs> gone, gone, dude. Like, well, especially the way the schedule was stacked too. It's like yeah. two, three weeks, two, three yep. weeks, two. Oh, yep. See, even that, I think that that uh, the guys that got off to a hot start and got to running, especially the the more seasoned guys have been around a little bit, like they were able to just kind of roll with it. Even the rookies, man, like the rookies smashed this year, dude. They've done great. But I, I think getting off to a, like a good start, you're able to like just roll with it. You got the momentum going. That's what you want. Where like a guy like me, I kind of had a couple bad events in there and you don't get like three weeks at home or four weeks at home to like settle in. Like we didn't get a break until after Gunnersville. We had about five weeks until we went up north. And that was just a good time for me. I come back and guided here on Toledo Bend, played a little golf, like just got my head straight because it was spinning all year. Like what just happened? What just happened? What just happened? It was just so quick, man. And so, uh, you know, the schedule next year seems like it's spread out a little bit more. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that'll help me a little bit. So, Yeah, I yeah. wonder if the reason why they condensed the schedule so much this year was to be able to give you guys a break at the end of this summer to go into next year to kind of help prepare you and get everything in line. Cause I know there was a lot of complaints about how people were getting boats, like literally right before the St. John's event. Some mm -hmm. were like, am I going to even have my sponsorship wrap boats ready? So maybe they condensed it. They're like, Oh, let's make it hell on them this year. And then next year we can give them a nice breather break to get everything ready and situated. I wonder. Yeah, if I would say some of that was it. I think the biggest thing was, like it was amazing that Bass was able to have a full schedule the prior year during COVID. So I think um, the, the way I best understood it, they set our schedule up like they did to give themselves some gap toward the back end. If there was some issues and they had to do some reschedules, they wanted to have some, some open times in the fall. And the way it worked out, we had no issues. We were able to just get them all done. So and like, I don't know about a lot of the guys like to go deer hunt and like to take time off and all that. Like I've always been a guy from afar that, when I see like guys are like, yeah, it's the off season. I can't wait to go hunting and all that. Like, like, that's cool. I want to keep fishing. Like I wish I'm we had a jam. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like ready to go, man. So like, I'm going to get in a couple of tournaments at Rayburn uh, next month. Just, just to kind of get the edge going. I still have two opens I'm doing in October. So like, I've always been like, let's go, let's fish, let's fish. I don't want four or five months off. Like, like it's going to happen, but, but you're right. It does give guys time to plan with, with like, so many in the industry, so many companies are behind on everything. Like next year, there's going to still be guys getting boats right before, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm planning on ordering my boat like tomorrow or the next day, trying to get it, you know, hopefully in time. So um, that will be nice. It'll help guys prepare a little bit better and all those things. And the way it spaces out next year, it looks like you can, like we've been planning our schedule, like, you know, before St. John's, I might go to Santee Cooper. Like it gives me a chance to kind of plan some pre-trips, 
lay eyes on some of these places, you know, like the first tournament at St. John's I'd never been. So a little pre-practice trip, just three, four days and, uh, you know, caught some fish and all that stuff. That was great. But I just got comfortable like where the launches are, like running the place. It just you feel a little more familiar when game day starts and, and like practice. Like I told you, all it's like it, three days goes by so fast. It's not even fair. No matter how early you get up, how late you stay, it is over like so fast, so quick. Um, you know, that's just something different for me. I'm having to get used to. All right. So do I feel you, like that's fishing in general, though. Sorry, Bailey. Yeah. Like every time you're on the water, it's like sunrise, weigh in. You're like, yeah. where do they, they go? Like <laughs> every time. Yeah, I think uh, two weekends. No. Yeah, it was two weeks ago, Andrew. We were, we were on the so, oh, we had Soda's Bay tournament. Yeah. I think that was the first tournament ever where it was like, it felt like noon. We looked at the clock and it was 830 still. And we're like, what the heck? <laughs> like it was like the Are first time. Are you talking about day two? Happened. Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, like I can't tell you how many times this year I'm like, well, you know, I gave my first area a good shot. I'll go hit my second area, hit my third area. And, uh, you know, I'll go back to my first area about, you know, about lunchtime, about noon. And you look down, it's like 130. You're like, Where, where'd that happen? I had so many other things I wanted to do. Like, <laughs> it, it's, but I've been on the other side of it too, man. When things are going right, the, there's like 80 seconds in a minute, it feels yeah. like. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, when I, when I qualified last year, um, really cool deal. We were at Lake Louisville for our last tournament. And just for the listeners that haven't heard of Lake Louisville, it's it's not where you want to go fish with 180 guys in October, like or November. Best fishery November. in the country. It's a good fishery at the right time of the year with the right amount of boats <laughs> on it. 180 open guys on it, dude. It is savage. And uh, but but in that tournament, dude, like day one, I had three good keepers by like 1030. And so like, I'm soaring. Don't catch another fish all day. Day two comes, I have a late weigh in. Um, never caught a keeper. I, I caught those three on day one by 1030 or whatever. My next keeper of the tournament was on day two at three o'clock. I caught a little keeper, like a little swimmer. And I was like, okay, there's still a chance. And that, that goes back to that mentality. Like I just, I want to grasp that and hold it. Mm -hmm. um, and that day I had a late weigh in. I pulled up to the off limits area, like the off limit signs there. You hear Chris Bowes talking in the background. Greg Hackney's idling by me. I make my last cast, catch a keeper. That keeper tied me for fifth place, and I won the, the tiebreaker. Literally, my last cast of the open season got me in. And I was okay if that fish didn't bite or not. And that goes back to the mentality I was saying. Like, I was at peace. Like, if that fish don't bite, I'd done everything I could, laid it all out there, dude. And I caught that one on my last cast and got that in. Like, and somehow I knew when I caught that. I ended up only with five fish in two days. But I knew when I caught that fish – it's like hope, like there was a chance, like, mm -hmm. like I, it was a tough tournament, dude. I, I finished like 50 something, you know, with five fish. So, um, I don't know. The boys better be ready for next year. Like, like since I've been home, I know how good they are. And, uh, but I just know how bad I want to succeed at this level. So I'm ready to go. Like it, it's cool. I have some time to, to plan and think and scout these lakes and, and get prepared and, and give it a whirl, you know, like can't wait. Heck yeah. So obviously we're gonna we're gonna jump into the uh, as you've been mentioned for next year we're gonna jump into the 2022 schedule here in a second but I guess my last question uh, for you on your rookie season you know I asked you a few questions based on what you learned uh, kind of not, not from a negative standpoint but what you've yeah. learned from maybe mistakes or something you may have not done uh, I want to talk one last question on the flip side of it you know what are you proud of that you did uh, this on your rookie season that you're gonna take into next year. Um. 
kind of touched it a while ago. Just my just my attitude. I didn't I didn't let I didn't let some of those uh, you know failures, especially early on. I had two eighty something finishes early on, like second third event, and uh, even at Pickwick, a zero day one called a good bag next day. Like I was very proud of my attitude, and my perspective. I, I don't think that's something that I, I'm ever going to lose. Just just my story, both personally, like with me and my wife, and uh, and just my fishing career. That that attitude and happiness and joy. And just sometimes the honesty, I don't think sometimes I think some of the anglers kind of short themselves by not being honest with the public about just how proud they are to be at this level and how hard it is to be here. It's it's not it's not easy, dude. Like you don't just roll out of bed and go out and and jack them every day like that don't just happen. And, and like sometimes I, I feel as though there's a mentality with some of the pros that like they they want to look like superheroes and, and we're not superheroes, dude, like. We're regular dudes who are getting to do something that a whole lot of other dudes would kill to do, you know. So I was just very proud. I was able to keep that mentality all year. And as I as I come across and get interactions with people and things like that, I, I want that to be infectious, man. I want people that are whether they're doing the opens or they're fishing kayak tournaments or club, whatever they're doing. I just want them to, to understand why they're doing it, because they love competitive fishing. They love fishing. You. That's why you're doing it. You're not doing it to be popular or, you know, like have the most IG followers or like any of that stuff. You're doing it because you love it. And, and we all choose this. Like no one, no one told me to do this as a career. And so the fact I'm getting to this level, you know, even in the downs this year, it's, you know, it can be hard. And, and I had moments where it was, but just overall, I was very proud of mentality and, and how I fought because it wasn't easy for me. Hadn't been easy my whole career. And, um, you know, there's some times where I probably could have folded up and, uh, you know, and just took my whoopings, but I didn't, man. I fought through and, and had a solid season. I actually did, you know, I mentioned earlier, like losing fish and things like that. I think every bass angler can tell you all those stories. But I had four fish this year that just, they, they cost me tremendously. Like there, there were four events I finished somewhere in the 60s that I'd have been fishing on Saturday, you know, if if that fish gets in the boat. And, and it was fish that you normally don't, you don't lose and you, you know, like I hadn't lost the fish flipping in, in a long, long time. And I lost two or three this year, like flipping. And you don't you don't lose those fish. And so just part of it, though, the way I see it is I got those out of the way. And and next year I feel bad for the first one that bites at St. John's. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably be on a wacky worm. So, I, you know, I still won't get to set the hook hard. And I'll have to bait them in. But, but y'all know what I'm saying. Like I was just, yeah. I was just proud. I didn't, uh, you know, let, let, a, let a few small bumps in the road, you know, like clear my – you know, like, like blur my vision from, from what I'm getting to do. Like I still have my finger in like, like I have so many local buddies and guide customers and things like that who, who follow along with me and stuff. And I feel like I owe it to them. Like you don't have time to pout and whine when it's not going your way. You just got to keep on rolling. So I, I'd say like more than anything to do with fishing, I was just proud of my mentality this year. That'd be the number one thing. Heck yeah. So, so you're the kind of guy that, you know, you see these fishing clips, you know, a guy loses a giant, right? And then there's there's the two type of guys. There's one guy that's just gonna stare at the water at his bait that you know flew out of its mouth or whatever. Yeah. One guy might hit the deck or whatever, you know, and they be all pissed off, kind of like you mentioned. Right. Then there's the guy that as soon as that he loses that fish, he just fires another cast and keeps on rolling. Right. You're saying that's that you fishing. were kind of you were proud of that being that guy that's just gonna, you know, bad stuff happened. Let most of the time, I mean, like, you know, like I lost the five pounder at Champlain on day two. And like when I watch the GoPro footage, like I set the hook on it, comes up, jumps right by the boat, see my bait fly out, it goes away. 
there was a brief moment where I kneeled down and we had a talk, me and, me and the big man, and said, okay. And I got back up and went to casting. But but even last year, like in the uh, in the pro circuit over Sam Rayburn, um, I had a chance to win that event going to last day. It was the one, of course, John Cox wins, and I went on to finish third. But with like 30 minutes to go in the day, I, I lose a, a pretty good fish. In the end, it wouldn't have won the tournament. But it, but my cameraman and everyone watching me that day thought that was the winning fish when it got off. And uh, I, I'll never forget hearing the cameraman. I, I went to the back of the boat to the motor and was pulling the fish around, trying to wear it down. And, uh, man, it just opened his mouth and chatterbait just fell out. Like it just, it wasn't even, it didn't jump. There was no dramatic where everybody got to see it. It's just, I'm pulling the fish. Next thing you know, it's gone. And I remember like, as it popped out, I kind of wound up my, my string and like started walking to the front to make a cast. And I heard my cameraman in the back of my ear go, Oh no. Like he didn't even realize what had happened. I just heard him whisper. Oh no. And, uh, I never said a word. Like I just reeled up. I didn't say, Oh God, how did that happen? I didn't, I was just so proud in that moment. All I thought to do was compete. And I went back up there and made another cast and I didn't win the tournament, but in my mind, like, like that's a winning mentality. And, uh, yeah, it can be hard dude with it all, with everything going on all the time to like, just, if you just keep your finger on that, I think you're doing pretty good. If you can just stay focused, like you said, instead of breaking rods and, screaming and all that. And I'm not saying I have not done that. Okay. There's a guy fishing me on Lake Fork. My marshal on Daytale Lake Fork. He probably thought I needed to go to the psych ward when I lost one. But but you try to minimize that stuff and 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 keep keep on the straight and narrow, dude. Like you can't catch them. You know, I always say, uh like with guide customers and things like that, I always have a say in that I've never done well when I'm pretending to be Eeyore. You know, from Winnie the Pooh, the little donkey Eeyore, nobody loved him. Okay. And y'all think about that when you're in the boat, if you have that sour mood going on, like there's no fish around me, I can't catch one. How many times do you catch them when you have that attitude? Like it just don't happen like zero, man, because it puts you in a bad, a bad mentality. You're not making good decisions. And so when it's all said and done, dude, however long my professional career goes on, when I come home, I want to know that I busted my rear end, loved every second of it and kept that mentality. I think if I do that, uh, you know, I'm doing on, all right. Be a happy guy. Yeah. Thank you. Well, dude, let's uh, let's get into the schedule for next year. Yeah, um, I think I, I'm very curious. So, obviously, the first event, St. John's River, back in, in February 10th and 13th. Yeah. Um, this is kind of something that Andrew and I have slightly touched on is what? how many years in a row is it St. John's for the, the first year? And I know, obviously, it's Groundhog Day, man. Year. Like, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to your opinion on them. It's always starting at St. John's River. Um, you know, I don't get to make the schedule, right? but as, as a, as a fan of the sport, not, not as an elite, I'm trying to take myself out of the elite angle because it does benefit me that I know that place now a little bit, almost the same time of the year. Right. Um, it, it would, it would be cool to go to some places at different times. I, I wonder what a tournament would be like at St. John's in April. Like I just wonder, cause it has been a lot of years and almost every year they go, it's in February. Right. So you know, I wonder how good it would be. Like when I was down there for pre-fishing last year, it was total pre-spawn and like it was killer, dude. Like I caught some big ones. So, yeah, I mean, some diversity in the schedule would be nice. But the, the guys making the schedule, dude, like there's there's so much behind the scenes that the the fans aren't privy to. They don't get to see what all really goes in those decisions. And so I think sometimes, especially during COVID, this COVID time frame, they're trying to they're trying to choose a community that supports and, and that community does, they show up big time. I believe the tourism, you know, 
um, you know, wants us there. So, but I, I would like to see some, if nothing else, some different times on some of these places, but, but different, different lakes I'm always game for. Right. All right. Well, the, about a week later. Yeah. Uh, you're, you don't have much farm. Four days. Four days later. Oh yeah. Duh. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> four days later. See you next week. Uh, you yep. don't have a far drive because you're going to go fish the Harris chain. Right. We're talk about the Harris chain middle of February. So I fished the pro circuit event there in 20 this year. Um, prior to the St. John's event and after the St. John's event, uh, I was on the Harris chain. I think the Harris chain is, this is just me speaking, but just from guys I've talked to. And I think Harris chain is probably the best tournament lake in Florida right now, just because it's, it's incredibly diverse. There's four or five lakes you can go fish. Guys will be doing a ton of different things, even if it is in February and there's, you know, chance for spawning fish and all that. Each lake offers different habitats. So it's, I think it's going to be a really cool, really cool tournament. And it should spread out pretty good, you know, with just 90 guys or 100, however many we have. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a, a fun one. And and for me, you know, some of those guys do have some experience there from fishing the Opens or even some that fished FLW Tour, things like that. But it's not one where the whole field was at last year in February. And so that was, you know, that was tough this year. Like it felt like some of the events we went to, it goes back into the routine. Like, well, this is year four. We're at St. Lawrence River in July. And so if you're a guy that's never been there, it's it's a different mentality. Like I'm trying to figure out where I can get my first bite and they're checking old spots. So um, I, I like that it's, it's somewhere they hadn't been to in a while. I, I can't remember the last time they were there. It's been years, I believe. Um, but there have been some opens there. So uh, that should be a fun event, dude. It could be Slugfest or, or like would it be in Florida? I have a little experience down there, but not a lot. But like, I mean, if the temperature drops eight degrees, the fish won't bite for three days. So it could be, you know, it could be tough. But either way, I just feel like that fishery offers, um, you know, just a, a bunch of different options for the anglers in locations and styles. Like you, you, your whole top 10 could be doing different things. I think as a fan, I think that's exciting seeing guys break it down different ways. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be a fun event. Are you the kind of guy to try to stick to one pattern or would you, you kind of got to try to find a mix of everything? It just kind of depends on how practice goes. I, I generally end up like if, if I stick to one thing, I want several areas, if that makes sense. So if, yeah, if, I'm, if I'm throwing a chatterbait, I want to have several different places that's going on. If I'm flipping, I want several different places. But a lot of times in these spawn type tournaments, it, a two pronged approach kind of helps unless it's a full out spawn. And, and if it is full out spawn, then you have everybody looking at the same fish. So me personally, a lot of times I like to have a way to catch some fish and then maybe try a way to target the larger fish, whether it be punching or sight fishing or whatever it might be. So a lot of times I do look for a, for like a one, two punch kind of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Well, a month later, uh, the next elite tournament is probably the one I am absolutely most excited for as a fan. Yeah. Uh, we're up in Santee Cooper. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like from the guys I've heard touch briefly on the schedule for next year that the anglers are also extremely excited for this tournament as well. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts about Santee in the middle of March? So that's that goes into those ones, you know, like with me guiding all these years, I haven't got to lead, lead a bend in Rayburn a ton. And, and that's one of those places, much like Toledo Bend, like just 
you know how many big ones are in there. And as oh. I think that's what I want, put me somewhere like that in March. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm fired up for that one. Like I'm, uh, you know, never been there, never seen it. Hoping I can plan a little trip there, but, but I like, uh, I, I like being around big fish. I do. I feel like that, that suits me better having the opportunity to, to, to fish for big ones and not having to just beg up 10 pounds a day, you know, like, like you get in some of the little small river tournaments, things like that. So, um, you know, I'm excited for it, dude. I think that one could be, could be really good. I hadn't really talked to a lot of the guys yet, but I mean, if you tournament fish, you know what lives in Santee Cooper and you know, March is a special time of the year. Oh yeah. Should Do you think there will be more 10 pounders caught than props broken? on <laughs> I've, I've seen how these guys drive. They're going to tear some props up, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like uh, I feel like a grandma out there sometimes. Like in my, in my navigating, I'm still thinking like, well, I got to get home in my boat. I got a guide trip or I got the next tournament. These dudes turn the key on and do not care <laughs> and go. Uh, there'll be a lot of props broken at Santee. Now, they, they were there, I think, last year in the fall maybe. Is that mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, so some of them may have some of the navigation down a little bit better than others, and they can just go right on by me. I'm going to idle through those little stump fields, and uh, they'll bite when I get there. That's how I'm gonna, that's going to be my mentality. But um, I would bet there will be a couple 10-pounders called being in March. I, I would say there might be there, – there should be more than one, I would think. Heck, yeah. It's going to be awesome. Oh, my yeah. gosh, yeah. I'm beyond excited for that one. Uh, almost a month, basically three weeks later, uh, at the tournament, I'm probably it's number two for me. I know they're back-to-back. -back. Well, not back-to-back -back on the calendar, but uh, right. event-wise, they're back-to-back. That -back. I'm probably – you know, second on the list for excitement is Chickamauga in the first yeah. weekend. Yeah, what, what I kind of think is cool about that is you haven't seen a lot of – there has not been a lot of professional-level tournaments on the Tennessee River Lakes in April. So, again, that's a different time frame. I think it's really cool for the fans to see. When you hear Chickamauga, you think ledges. You think June, you know. Um, and Chickamauga's got some great big ones. Um, you know, I follow a lot of guys that fish up there, like, in the wintertime. They catch, like, 40-pound stringers happen often. So I'm not sure what April will bring as far as, uh, you know, what's going on, but should be one of those ones like I like. I like – that's what I love about Toledo Bend and Rayburn is there's a lot of different patterns at any given time, and and that could be going on there. There will probably still be some pre-spawn, probably be some spawning, like a little of everything. And so that, that really, like, lets the guys split up and do their thing and, and just uh, makes it fun. But, again, that's one that's got big ones in it. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward. And it, it just – who, who that bass fishes is not excited to go somewhere where like the next flip, next cast could be a 10 pounder, 12 pounder. Like, you know, that's what it's about, dude. So yeah, I'm pumped. Right. Heck yeah. And then, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say from there, you go to another place that is just chock full of giants and yeah. Lake Fork in the middle of May. Yeah. It's pretty close when we were there this year. If I, am I right on the dates there? Uh, I think it's a week later. A week later. We were there this year, and, and just because of the late winter and stuff, there were still so many on beds. I fell into the bed trap. Had good day one. Day two. That was Day two is one of those days where, like, you wanted to just, like, grab a big cinder block and go out in about 15 foot and just, just jump outside of the boat, dude. Like, I shook off fish on day one I didn't need to save them for day two. Then day two, they were either gone or wouldn't bite. Like, crazy <laughs> stuff. Like that. But, uh, Lake Fork is about – 
three and a half hours from my house. So I think that's probably going to be the closest one on the schedule to me, I believe. Um, but I don't have much experience there. It's it's very close, but I've never fished a tournament there until this year. So uh, yeah, that'll be a that'll be a real fun one. Uh, assuming that's going to be like the the Bass Fest, weigh them on the water kind of yeah. format, I would think because of the slot limit. Um, so that'll be special. Um, someone's going to catch a hundred pounds again, like every time. Happen. Every time, you know, and, and it wasn't, you know, like, like Lee Lissay's last day was magic. Oh my gosh. Patrick Walters caught over a hundred pounds and had 15 pounds one day. What I'm saying is like, it wasn't on fire every day. Like we still didn't hit it perfect. And so you don't know, it depends on the spring we get. Like, you know, I live right on the border of Texas. So, so down here, it just depends on what kind of winter and kind of spring we get and those things of what the, what the pattern is going to be. But it won't matter. Like they're going to catch them, like big ones, giants. I, right. I, I, I kind of hope that we don't have a winter. I hope it's hot and there's some fish out deep. Because looking at the schedule, I, I just want to go throw a deep crankbait in a tournament. And like, <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, I could sell all my deep crankbaits and not even worry with them next year. You know, so right. um, you know maybe there'll be a few a few out deep next year, a few more than there were this year. So, but again, that's three in a row. Really, that's the first five, dude. Like coming out swinging. Fun. Yeah. Like Lake uh, Harris has giants. I caught, a, I caught a 10 pounder at Lake Harris this year when I was down there playing around. Caught a 10 pounder off the bed. Like giants, St. John's, giants. This year we didn't hit St. John's good and it still took good weights. So that's that's five in a row. And uh, we'll make it six in a row. What six? St. Lawrence. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and then we have the next one's the, the TBA, right? The June. Yep, that one. Is there any guess? Oh Anything yeah, TBA. To... I don't yeah, have yeah. a guess. If you have a guess, you probably can't tell me. Like right. I have, I have no idea what their plans are. They have communicated nothing with us other than what they have to you guys. What well, do you I hope? They have, we're having a tournament somewhere. That's all we know. So, I hope it's so. So, if we yeah. have zero inkling whatsoever, can we like throw out there what we think would be? Cool? Oh yeah, yeah. If we're just we're spitballing, spitball, dude. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, like we said offline, the last thing I want to do is get you. Yeah. Yeah. But like you've talked to like Bruce Aiken and he told you, Hey, this is where we're going. You might want to keep that to yourself or you're going to, you're going to get some people mad. I think if I asked Bruce Aiken, he'd probably <laughs> just laugh at me and not say a word. <laughs> yeah, probably that's what he would do if I called him as well. You know, he'd say, <laughs> we try, Daryl. Um, no, I mean, like don't you would think logistically, like right. I've I heard some people saying like, well, you may go up North, you may do this. I, I would think my guess is they're not going to have us at Lake Fork mid-May two weeks later, make us drive up north. We're, we're going to St. Lawrence, I believe, in July. July 14th, because, yeah, pretty much the season opener for St. Right. Lawrence, which we'll get into this in a second. Yeah, yeah. June, I think it's a month before the tournament, right, Andrew? June right. 14th at the second. Yeah. So, so typically in the past, they wouldn't make the anglers drive so far, you know, right. two different times. So, I mean, I think we're going to be in the south somewhere. But, yeah. but beyond that, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I, From I, I a like fan it. standpoint, I think it would be really cool to see the elites go to, like, a, a Grand or a Cumberland, something along those lines, and maybe back to the Ozarks, something that's yeah. you know, maybe like a not beaver, for, beaver right? lake. Yeah. yeah, something that's completely different that we've seen. <laughs> he pieces his mouth. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't want to go to beaver either, but what's the other uh, Arkansas lake that's pretty good? Washington? No, Washington. not Washington. Oh, 
Oh, uh, no, they had oh, never mind. Um, they had like the one day there, then the other day was at a different lake, then an elite event a couple years ago. You got me stumped. Was it Arkansas? Arkansas? I think it was Arkansas. Hold on. Let's look it up. Let's look it but, up. But I'm thinking like, Randy Tharp won it. Randall Tharp won it. Wasn't that Arkansas? Yeah, you're thinking Bull Shoals. Yeah, Bull Shoals. Yeah. Bull Shoals. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Bull Shoals is kind of like uh, falls in that Table Rock yeah. area, you know, kind of. Um, they hadn't – there hadn't been an elite back up there in quite a while. So, you mm-hmm. know, that area is probably ready for us to come back. That, that could be cool. I don't know about June. I don't know if they've ever been there in June. But, but yeah, it's got to be in the south somewhere. But, but seriously, it's, it's not like we all know and we're holding back. I mean – the uh, the elite anglers are the best, biggest uh, gossip girls there are, like the biggest group of junior high <laughs> girls. You cannot tell them a secret. So as far as I know, unless no one is telling me, uh, none of us know. But, but I would think we're going to be somewhere in the South. Um, I mean, me personally, I would love for it to be where I'm looking at right now, right here on this. There's lots of big fish in this lake, and they like the bite in June. So um, – I'm all for having one here at Toledo Bend. I think that'd be cool. That would be awesome. I don't it's think been they, they five years back to Toledo since what Kevin won it. It was 17. They come back the year after, and John Murray won. Yeah. Oh, okay. And 17. Um, yeah, that's yeah, it's, yeah, it's time, dude. Like four or five next time. year, five years. It's time. Is yeah. the grass starting to grow there again? Because I know the grass had been gone for a couple of years. It's been gone a couple of years. Um, in places, there's a little bit. It's not like what it was. I don't know if it ever get what it was. You know, like I saw times where it was 20 foot deep and all that, and it was amazing. If we can just get it back to 10 foot in places, it's amazing. But but like summer tournaments going on here, like there's some three fish, little team derbies and things like that. And we're talking dudes that this is all they fish. They know this lake like really good. Like some of them are taking 18, 19 pounds to win on three fish. So there's grass or no grass. There's a lot of good fish here. And this lake offers what I like. It offers deep, shallow, north, south. Like every tournament I've ever competed in here, you have guys doing polar opposites and they have the same equal chance to win on any given day. I like, I like those deals. Like when I watch and I watch all of every organization, I watch all the live, all the tournaments because I'm a nut. I love it. I like the tournaments when they go from one angler to the next. I see some diversity in how they're breaking it down. I don't like to see every guy throwing the same bait, doing the same thing. Just isn't exciting to me. I like to see how guys can take the same place, the same time, and do it different and still have a chance to win. That's that's what's so cool about fishing. You can do it your own way. Right. So the next tournament, July 14th, is an interesting one because I believe – so New York's opener, I believe it's the second Saturday of June third, every year, correct? Third Andrew? Saturday of June. Third and they're Saturday. talking about moving it back, I believe. They're talking about in the regulations making it a set date every year as opposed to the third Saturday of June. So it could be later or earlier. Hmm. So we're, I'm waiting for that ruling to come down. But, yeah, it's usually right around the 19th, 15th to 19th, somewhere so, in there. Yeah, and it's so – Daryl, one of the things you mentioned was how next year you want to, with the schedule and all, you want to take time out to pre-practice on these places. Yeah. New York events can be very tough, I think, for you guys to pre-practice because of the way right. the season rules are, right? We, we re- For that event, you can't go pre-practice. 
Yeah. But, you know, like we were there in July this year. So that does help. I actually, you know, because we went out of Waddington last year, I wasn't making the big crazy run. And the way it works out now, we're going out of Clayton. So there'll be a lot of guys like more near the lake and all that. So I did go down after the event was over and spend a day or two on the lake just to prepare myself if we ever go back because they go back. That's another one, you know, like what is this five? It'd be five years in a row maybe or five out of six. So, you know, it's one they're probably going to, so you need to learn. So, but like you said, yeah, you can't go pre-practice for it. Like, yeah, I guess if you're going to like Cayuga, like they did a few years back, you can go pre-practice. You just can't put anything in your live well. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That makes it a little bit difficult, but I I mean, dude, if anyone's griping about going back to that place, they just need to be quiet because that's a special. (laughs) That that was a special experience getting to be there for a week. It was really cool. Yeah. And, and the only comments I'll make on it, and I, I know I'm taking words out of Andrew's mouth as well, is we're just very excited that it's filling out a clean. It's going to be pretty awesome to watch. Uh, and I'll leave I it think, at that. I think going down there, yeah, obviously, like, it's a it's a different animal going out of there in Waddington. I will say, you know, all I know is going out of Waddington. Afterwards, we went and stayed. Me and my wife went down, stayed in the RV park, fished a day or two down there. Clayton is a really cool town, a lot of stuff going on, all that. So it'd be kind of cool to see how much of the community we can get there. But like at Waddington, those people show up, even the ones that like don't know a ton about bass fishing. Like I met some fans that like really don't fish or anything. And they were so excited to have us there. We're, we're very welcoming. And, and like, I don't know, that was that was one of the events when I come out on stage this year, like all the fans were going crazy. It was really, really cool. I enjoyed it. So, but I do think logistically, obviously Clayton, for obvious reasons, will uh, make it pretty fun, you know. Right. Heck yeah. Well, then, uh, obviously, you got a month later until you are headed to South Dakota for Lake Oahe. I think a lot of people are excited to watch. Maybe not you guys from the sake of wind, but it should be a fun event. Um, I'm excited. Again, that's, that's one. They've only been two once. A lot of the guys that were fishing the tour then now fish another tour. So a lot of these guys are going to be in the same boat as me. Um, I'm all for going to these new pl- like places we haven't been to often and all that. So I live on Toledo Bend, which is 186,000 acres, and that's a large lake. I've already done some research on that one over there. It's like 380,000 acres, like massive. So that will be fun. I'm excited. That's obviously a part of the country we've never been to. So um, that part will be fun. I know last time they were there, like, so we're a tight little group. Those of us that camp and do the RV thing, you know, there's 15 or so anglers that probably do it, I guess, or something, but there's, you know, you got your little group that like travels like that. So we, we get to see each other all the time. And, and when we were up there last time, they were there last time, the weather got a little crazy a couple of times, like a couple of big storms blew in and, uh, and, and miss, miss Gleason, um, over there doesn't do so well in like the storms and tornadoes and all those kind of scary things. So, um, you know, that's a little iffy, but I, I think the fishing would be cool. And I just feel like the the playing field is like real level when you go to these places you hadn't been to every year. Like everyone's showing up to some, to like the lake fresh. Let's see what we can go do, you know, like should yeah. be good fishing. And they have us going out of a different launch this time. So we'll be going, you know, much farther north than they did last time. Mo so Bridge. it's kind of, yeah, Mobridge. It's going to bring a whole different section of the lake, you know, into play because there's they from what I understood last time there's no marina to get gas. You can only go so far and turn around and come back. So 
you know, that, it'd be cool. Like I'm, I'm excited for that one. It'd be fun. Hopefully there's not as many dirt and gravel roll roads you have to drive um, on to get to the town like they did last time. Yeah. So. Uh, I heard there's some guys having to wash their boats like every day from all the dust and all that stuff. It's <laughs> <laughs> little stuff, man. It's no problem. Yeah. Well, I think uh, from the sounds of it, Taco Ito might be having a uh, South Dakota license because I think he's already there after St. Louis. Yeah, yeah and that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I, I considered trying to get up there myself this month um, and just logistically it didn't work out for me. But um, you're not going to outwork these guys, dude. He wasn't the only one that's up there. He may have been the only one posting about it, but there's some other dudes yeah. that went up there. And, I don't doubt it. I mean, just – it's just how how tough the fishing is. Everybody wants it that bad, dude. So, get in your truck and go. No, it, it'll be fun. Like it's there's a little mystery. Like even yeah. for you guys trying to, you know, like like doing your fantasy show for that that event. Like that's gonna be a little different for y'all. Like it's, oh, I just yeah. think it adds a little spice to to our seasons to see some of these places that aren't on the schedule every year. You know, just oh yeah, mix it up. Definitely. So then wrapping the season up, uh, I think a place that a lot of people, anglers included, are really excited to watch. And obviously you guys go fish. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi River. Yep. Um, I actually, uh, I have been there a couple of times. I've been for an open. We had a pro circuit event there last year. Really cool place. For the, for like my friends in Louisiana and stuff, we think Mississippi River. We think Baton Rouge, like the big, muddy, nasty-looking Mississippi River. And when you go up there, you at times you almost feel like you're in Florida. Like it's the most fertile fishery on earth, the upper Mississippi river. There's like birds everywhere. There's tons of fish, lily pads everywhere, you know, cypress tree. Like there's so much cover and stuff. It's a, it's a cool place. So uh, the, the biggest thing when I first went there was the amount of current there was something I was not familiar with. That's it's intimidating how fast the current moves. Like, like I'm, I'm glad I got good trolling motor batteries because you're going to, you're going to run them up big time. So, uh, but yeah, cool one. And and for a for a river tournament, I like to have one or two river tournaments on the schedule. For that one there, like the fishing can be pretty good. Like it's going to take pretty good weights to win, and it it does offer that diverse thing. It's got smallmouth and largemouth, mm-hmm. and uh, I think you'll see the guys do a lot of different stuff. Um, there's some guys that fish our fishy elite series from up there who's going to probably be like big time, you know. Uh, favorites on everyone's fantasy teams, but um, cool place, really cool, very diverse. You have a lot of options, which is to me is always fun. You can you can do the locking stuff, which gets a little little sketchy up there, right? Saw like they had a BFL up there like a month ago, and I I know the guys in the upper lock didn't make it back. I actually heard the ones in the lower lock didn't make it back either. Oh no! <laughs> so they have a lot of barge traffic there, dude. So like, uh, you know, the whole locking thing can get real sketch there. Like I, in the open there, I didn't think I was going to make it through. Like, in, in fact, when we, when we went to get in line, one of the guys there knew I was an early flight. He, he made sure I got in front. He said, make sure you get in front of me, dude. I'm way at the end. So, and uh, was able to make it back. But yeah, that, that locking deal will, uh, it will turn your hair gray. It's uh stressful. So, is that but, why people refer to you as a silver fox? Because the Mississippi. Yeah, River. yeah, it happened <laughs> at a very young age. Uh, it's all silver. <laughs> it was salt and pepper for a couple of years, and it just went. So, uh, yeah, my wife started that for me um, in 2015. I, I got to fish Bass Fest at Kentucky Lake. You know, that's. I, do y'all remember like for a couple of years there, Bass did a thing where like the top ten in the opens that weren't on the Elite Series could come up. 
yeah. and fished that one event, right? And so I qualified and got to fish that and um, and and did well. And that was, you know, my wife decided to tell the world about Silver Fox. And that's, it just kind of, <laughs> you can't hide it. You know, what am I going to do? So uh, we, we have some fun with that. So that's awesome, dude. Well, Daryl, uh, we really appreciate one of you taking the time out and uh, yeah, you to, you know, giving us a lot of good uh, notes to, to learn from moving forward when it comes to mentality perspective, fishing perspective. Uh, we really appreciate the time. And uh, we got one last question for you and we'll let you go here. Yeah, uh, far away, dude. When we, at, you know, if you said you listened to the show before, so you know exactly yeah. what's coming. And oh, is, uh, I should have prepared for this. I did. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I'm, you stump at the end. You stump everybody with it. <laughs> so you know the questions. I don't want to explain too much to you, but if you could sit down with three different individuals, doesn't have to be fishing, have a steak, have a beer, and pick their brain. Who are you gonna invite? Mm, man, I wish I'd have prepared for that. Um, <laughs> so, so fishing, I'll, I'll pick one that I've got to be around a little bit. I do not know him well. We're not buddies or anything like that. But for me, when I really got the tournament bug in like the mid to late 2000s, there's no one bigger than King Kong, Kevin Van Dam. And I've got to know him through the years. And like special moment for me was like when I won the Open two weeks later, like I know I'm going to the Classic. Two weeks later, we're at the Classic working for sponsors. I'm going to fish the following Classic. And uh, Kevin walked in to have dinner with his family where I was that evening. And he got up from the table and come over and congratulated me when they Open. And, and there may have been some little – Waterworks, kind of like my wife's like, are you going to cry for everybody? It's like, yeah, a little bit. That's Kevin. <laughs> I mean, he's just someone I, you know, he's done a lot for the sport, dude. Um, so he would have to be someone involved. Um, this one probably couldn't happen, but uh, someone I followed a lot growing up that an athlete was Kobe Bryant that I just thought was like a fierce competitor. I played basketball in school and, uh, you know, what, what happened uh, with his past and with his daughter and all that stuff that actually happened while I was at the uh, pro circuit at Rayburn. And like one of my best buddies was there and he knows, like I was always idolized Kobe Bryant. And uh, when I got off the water that day, he, that's how I found out. He's like, you know, like Kobe Bryant passed away today. I was like, Oh man. So, um, and then the last one, you know, I like to, uh, I like to golf on the side when I'm not fishing. Okay. So, uh, and, and this is all on a whim. I, I'm probably going to regret not saying someone else, but I, I would say like Arnold Palmer. Like, I just think he'd be a cool dude to like play around to golf with, maybe go have a little drink with afterwards. Like just a cool dude. Um, I think we probably have a similar perspective on, on how we feel about fans and things like that. And the love of what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. So you got the two most expensive hobbies going on for you. Yep. <laughs> golf and fishing. <laughs> yep. I just want to, like I tell her, I want to catch enough fish so I can play golf every day. That's going to take a lot of fish catching. <laughs> but, a lot of fish. <laughs> nah, love, love it, dude. Like, we live just right Just a couple wins, you'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And those are easy to come by. You yeah. saw, like, <laughs> absolutely. Hank Cherry won two classics in a row. You know, so anything's possible, dude. But, um, hey, man, next year might be my year, dude. You just never yeah. know. Yeah. That's true. You never know. Let's so, fishing. Hey, and look, like, so your listeners know, I actually, I, I, I kind of reached out to you, Bailey. Like, I, I do listen to y'all show. Big fan of what you guys do. I, I like all the different things y'all are doing. I really like y'all's attitudes about it. Like, y'all love it. And uh, so y'all are easy to listen to. 
uh, when I'm driving, practicing, any of that stuff. And so uh, I appreciate y'all, you know, give me a chance to come over and hang out with y'all. And hopefully, you know, I'll do something next year exciting and, and get another chance to come on and visit y'all. Oh, dude, ex exciting welcome, man, not, no matter what, you always got a seat on this on this show. So My anytime you want to come on, yeah. anytime you hear about a topic we're talking about, whatever yeah. have you, you want to come, and that goes out to a lot of people. Like, yeah. if you guys hear a certain topic we're talking about and you want to do a show about it, reach out to us and let us know. But, like, Daryl, you are always welcome on the show, regardless yeah, of the time of year, what happens, whether you finish last or finish first. So we appreciate getting you on, dude, because we can reach out to a lot of people, especially yourself. So. We yeah. appreciate it, dude, especially taking the time out tonight. And uh, we'll be in touch with you. And we'll talk to you awesome, soon, dude. man. Yeah, man. Appreciate Take you guys. Care, have a good one, yeah. dude. Yeah, man. Take care. Thank you. Good dude. I, uh, dude, I, it's, it's, so he mentions how he's, the stuff, Sam Rayburn and Toledo Bend are kind of his home. Sam Rayburn is probably, you know, besides, it, it's, it's a toss up right now between Sam Rayburn or Santee Cooper for the bucket list of where to go fish. For you? Yeah. Like it used to be St. Clair, but St. Clair's like third right now. Just because after going to Texas and fishing like Possum Kingdom and getting a little taste of the South, I think Sam Rayburn or uh, a Santee would be an awesome place to go. You know, a time of year pending, but I don't know. What about you? Yeah, that, that one's tough because we've had this discussion. I think we were talking about it on the boat the, yesterday. I was like, you know, I don't really care too much to go to these big name lakes because there's so many small lakes out there that have just absolute giant bass in close proximity to these big name lakes. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to go fish a Sam Rayburn. Sandy Cooper would be cool because I feel like it doesn't get a ton of pressure all the time. But I mean, mm -hmm. I personally, if I was to go on like a bucket list trip, I would want to find little lakes that not too many people know about. And just go jam on them and then, you know, maybe tag like a Sam Rayburn while I'm down in that area just to keep it a little more hush. But, like, that's the kind of stuff that looks that would be fun to me. More fun to me is fishing areas that aren't really known. Like, yeah. OHIV, right? Like, that place got blown up, but who knew about it before that? Yeah, it's known now. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. There's so many more lakes like that around the country that just have giants in them. And tons of giants, and they're not talked about. Oh yeah, and especially even when you get on a private spectrum. I mean, yeah. Gosh. No, I think just like uh, you know, especially for us Northerners too, just getting down and fishing somewhere new is just a lot of fun in itself. Just because of the whole exploration stage of things, you know. Yeah. Like Chickamauga is still my favorite lake in the world right now, just from the fear fact of I haven't explored the whole thing yet. I mean, granted, I can blame that on being in a kayak, but it's still like. Being You're able to explore buddy. certain parts, <laughs> oh, give me a little bit of credit here. Uh, yeah, riding a bike around the damn lake, um, but uh, like just like being able to to learn it, it's something brand new. You didn't you didn't grow up around it, and uh, that's the part I'm really excited for for 2022 is do seven or eight tournaments that are around the country that I have never fished. Before. I might I mean I might have I mean who knows if they're back at Chickamauga. I'm definitely gonna go fish one, but like. New places I've never been to. So I'll go down, spend the week there. You know, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually really excited to make that content for this channel um, and obviously share it with the folks. But, dude, just new bodies of water sound awesome. And, like, that's exactly what Daryl was talking about is being able to, you know, go to an Oahe where it's almost a clean slate in terms of Explore. no one's really been there, especially for the, except for, the, you know, maybe the guys that are out pre-practicing, like, as we speak. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really cool concept. And, like, you know, you talked about St. John's River. You know, why can't we do that? A different time of year why can't you go somewhere completely different 
you know, you know that specific time frame for the, the start of the Elite Series. But at the flip side, you know, as a fan, you like want to see something new, fresh, exciting. But also, you know, being an in, being in the industry, you understand business is business, money talks, and obviously, money keeps coming you know, in Trail Series alive. So that's what's super important about it. But yep. awesome episode tonight, obviously, with Daryl. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I cannot wait to well. get him back on the show. Um, we're obviously going to dive in more, and hopefully, we'll get him on for maybe a little preview before um, you know twenty twenty two begins. Um, but obviously, he's always welcome, as have all of our our guests that we've had on, and the amazing fans that tune in every night. Um, and guys, uh, make sure you guys are following us on social media because we got some pretty cool stuff coming up in the works, especially with Adam. You know, starting to uh, pump out some of his segments. That you guys will see moving forward on every Wednesday. That business from the Bass Boat will have, have some industry professionals coming mm-hmm. on, talking some business. So if you're an angler that wants to, you know, you're trying to make it in the industry, uh, whether on the angling side or the business side, that's going to be a good segment to tune into and learn from. But um, a couple things for news-wise. Uh, big shocker, Jacob Wheeler wins the knockout round of Major League Fishing today in Champlain. Jacob, Jacob Wheeler wins another one. But Jacopo is in second, though, wasn't he? Or did he fall? Uh, let's see. What is he in? Jacopo's in fourth now, but he went practicing like halfway through the day. So Jacopo is who I'm rooting for, but also I'm rooting for uh, Justin Lucas, who won the preliminary round. So he automatically qualifies for the championship round. Uh, I'm rooting for Lucas to get his first win. But uh, Jacopo kind of would cool be able awesome. to see Jacopo win or even like Matt Lee. Like, finally be able to like break down the wall and win a major event so it'd be that cool would, to see Matt Lee do it yeah that would be freaking wild but uh you know it's kind of crazy to think so Lucas won I think about like one ounce or something like that or a few ounces I know it wasn't even really a pound that he won by to qualify for championship round over Brandon Coulter and Brandon Coulter was ninth Top eight make it to the championship round. So he got knocked out after only losing yesterday by a pound. Which it makes you kind of – because, like, the how they fish the major league fishing is, is kind of interesting. It makes you wonder, maybe if he let off on some of his fish, he would have had more today versus trying to go after Lucas for the win. Which, But if you say he got one more bite, he would have beaten Lucas and already been the championship round. It's such a, like, a strategy puzzle. It's, it's kind of interesting. About it. But I thought that was really cool. Uh, not cool for a Coulter. Uh, obviously, uh, Coulter's a good dude. We've had him on the show before, so I, I feel bad saying it's cool that he was ninth when the top eight made it through. Um, but it was cool kind of seeing the whole strategy of how different things can go. So that's Absolutely. pretty sweet. But, dude, you got anything uh, announcement-wise that the folks should know before we wrap things up here? Dates are going very fast for September and October. Um I haven't made for bass. I only, I think I only have like 10 days available at this point. Breaking news. um, Friday is my last day at my job. So I'm going to announce it now. I am going full-time guide this fall with some side jobs in there. So I got some weekday availability in September. I think I have 15, I think I have 10 or 11 days booked right now in September with like four pending and then about the same in October. So we're going to, we're going to be grinding them out. And then November, if Lake Erie is open and somebody wants to get on the short list, I'm like, get up here tomorrow. We're going to go out and jam on them. Let me know. Cause we can do that too. So 
it's going to be a fun fall. In other news, I'm calling Canada tomorrow because it looks like they opened the Canadian border to fishing. So but um I might be calling to see if that's a possibility because I need to get over and visit my pets I haven't seen in a couple of years due to COVID. And yeah. So it sounds like so I'm moving into my new apartment in Buffalo this Saturday. So it sounds like I'm gonna drop my stuff off. Land, my fiance can move all of it in, and I, we're gonna go fish Canada on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be in Rochester, so that will not. So work. I'm gonna take your boat to to, to Canada. <laughs> yeah, that would go over really well. No, because <laughs> I'm just curious because I read on one article that you would have to, when you apply, you would have to write down all the dates that you planned on going over and fishing and providing vaccination proof. And then another website, a Canadian website, like a government website says nothing of that. So I just want to know what the ruling is for um, anybody who wants to go yeah. over so I can kind of help spread the word around here in Buffalo. Better safe, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just trying to get up there and fish uh, freaking Simcoe with Nick, Nick Kuzvis. Yeah. He's trying to go fish, man. But uh, yeah, so on, on my side of here, before we wrap things up, uh, making a big move on Friday, uh, moving to Buffalo. I'll be like 10 minutes from Andrew. So you guys are going to see a lot of smallmouth videos, but uh, there are some pretty good lakes around Buffalo. And uh, we'll obviously still be putting out some good largemouth content, content around. Uh, the entire, you know, Western Central New York still, nothing's really going to change. Uh, if anything, you're just going to see better content, more consistent content. And uh, I'm pretty pumped for that. Like I mentioned, 2022 is going to be a big year, uh, especially in terms of some series coming out in terms of, you know, kayak fishing and tournaments around the country. Uh, you're going to see some pretty cool stuff coming out for that. And then uh, next Monday, I fly out to North Dakota and come back on Thursday. So as of right now, the plan is we're going to have Benjamin Nowak on the show this week. It'll be a pre-recorded. Uh, does not look like we're going to do Monday Night Live next week. We're going to have Ben Nowak on, and that'll be a pre-recorded show on Monday. So you'll still have a show, but it'll be up on Monday morning, not Monday night, and it won't be live. Uh, so that's going to be a good one. But then this Friday, uh, our good buddy, uh, Mr. Wes Logan, is coming back on the show. Uh, so that'll be Friday's episode. You guys can tune in on the podcast platform or watch on YouTube, whichever have you. Um, if you don't do forget about Wednesdays, business from the yeah. Bass Boat. When, uh, Wednesday, uh, Adam will be having on Sean Budiak from X2 Power Batteries. Uh, that'll be a good episode, diving into some AGM stuff, uh, especially for you boaters. That's going to be a pretty big episode to watch. Um, and then, like we mentioned, Wes Logan on Friday, Benjamin Nowak next Monday. Uh, and we got some pretty cool episodes coming up for the, the rest of the month. We have Justin Hammer coming on. We have Matt Beatty uh, coming on as well, who I got the chance to fish with out in Florida. Um, it's going to be a pretty fun month. So we're, we're trying to schedule a lot of these ahead and try to make sure that we're getting out some really good content, uh, having on some amazing people. Um, so we're hoping you guys enjoy that and make sure you know, each of these guests that, uh, we get on, we really appreciate them coming on because you know, this ain't something that we're paying them for. Um, but you guys should definitely follow along with one, the information they're putting out and two, their social media. So every time we have someone on, we put their information to their socials in the description. If you guys aren't following them, you know, if you're active on social media, go ahead and follow them and, uh, to support their brand because that's how they get paid. That's how they make a living. And uh, I guess while you're at it, follow us too because we're trying to make this more of a living than it is already. And we love the hell out of this crap. We really do. So, so much fun. And 
we can never thank our fans and followers and listeners enough. So thank you always. Yeah, and in stride with, like I said, the introduction, we couldn't really do this without, well, we, I, t- I take that back. To be completely honest, we could totally do this without our show partners, but they make it a whole lot easier. So uh, we appreciate them a hell of a lot, too. We appreciate all of you. And I think, Andrew, that's going to do it for tonight. And we're going to wrap it up here. And, folks, we'll see you on Friday with Wes Logan.